Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Native American artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Native American community from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Crystal Hudson, a citizen of the Navajo Nation and is a fourth year student at the University of North Dakota School of Medicine. What makes Crystal so interesting is her story and her journey to get into medical school. Not so much about her academic journey, but the dynamics of family and culture. The pressures that we all live with trying to live in both our traditional worlds and the existing world around us. And you're about to hear really one of the best storytellers I've ever had on this series. I really wish I had the camera rolling during the studio interview. Oh, and uh, one programming note, uh, we, we still just have one studio mic in our studio. Uh, we're working on that, but you're going to kind of hear those effects. Regardless, uh, sit back and enjoy what you're about to hear. Crystal, thank you for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's great having you here. Can you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? So I am Crystal Hudson, formerly, sadly, Crystal Benali. Um, I'm from Farmington, New Mexico, born and raised there. And I'm Navajo full, I guess you would say. I don't know. Some people say, like, I'm semi-traditional, I'm full traditional, but, I mean, that's about it. Um, let's see. My clans is and uh, that's all I know of my intro. Um, I know other people would be like, oh, well, just add on. Where are you from? Are you a boy? Are you a girl? I'm like, uh... <laughs> that's about it that's all I can say um so let's see my background um so my parents are actually both from the same like townish they grew up in like high school together and they both were separately married and then they were both divorced and then they came together kind of like the Brady Bunch and then my parents had my brother and I and then they both grew up they both raised us slightly off of the reservation however the summers I was always with my grandma um so I kind of had that like Navajo traditional background growing up and it was always like a huge part of my my lifestyle my culture um I remember in middle school and in high school a little bit in elementary but just having to take that time from school to go do ceremonies to go to blessings do um squat dances on the weekends I remember those that was a lot of fun um but yeah so one of the biggest things that I knew that I wanted to do growing up is that I wanted to be in like the science field in the medical field I mean I didn't know until later on I think my senior year in high school that I wanted to go into something medical related it was always just like oh I want to go into sports medicine um, maybe physical therapy, maybe a massage therapist, something like that. Um, but it wasn't until my dad, who knows me so well through and through, he was just like, why would you want, why would you like go and help these people like massage them or re, re, do rehab or anything like that when you yourself 
can be that client. He was like, what about something more? And I was just like, well, could I do something more? It was always that potential. Am I, am I destined to do something more? And so that was the hugest thing. And my, my parents have always supported me. I used to play the cello and they would come and um, see all of my rehearsals, take me to all of my like um, solo and ensembles and like competitions. And I was proficient. I was pretty damn good. I was so excited. I would just always be playing. And so it's kind of sad that that's kind of fallen by the wayside, but it, I guess it transformed into medicine in a way. And so when my dad told me that you can do more, you can excel more, try thinking about this. Um, and then in college, well, I started off at a community college. A little story behind that was I really wanted to go to U of A. That, like, right out of high school, I really wanted to go. My elder brother went there. My aunt on my father's side went there. And I was just like, I'm going to keep this tradition. I'm going to be a wildcat. This is amazing. I'm going to go live down in Tucson. I'm going to spend time with my older brother. It's going to be gorgeous. I got in, and we went to the orientation. I found out my class schedules and everything. And my dad, being my dad, he's just, at the end of the day, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, it's here. I'm finally here. And I don't know how it is, how it is for a parent, but he, you know, kind of, he was like, well, you're an adult. And he slid me the bill. And he was like, just for one semester, it's $16,000. He was like, sweetheart, I don't have that kind of money. He's just like, so have you figured out how to pay for this? And that's where everything just kind of drained out of me. All that excitement and everything was just like, oh, crap. All right, I guess this this is what it feels like to be an adult. So he was like, you need to apply for scholarships, do this and do that. And I think I applied to just a handful, not that much. I didn't get any. Um, and then also that same year, like with my cello and everything, so proficient, um, New Mexico Ambassadors of Music invited um, me to play with them um, in the summer next. So I graduated in 2009. It was going to be in 2010. They invited me to play with um, New Mexico students in Europe. And we get to travel around to seven different countries in 14 days. And I thought that was beautiful. And I was like, yes, this would be amazing. And so I brought this brought this dream to go to Europe and then the dream of a four-year college institute. And I was like, Dad, Dad, look at all this. And, you know, being my dad, he was just like, they both cost about the same. He was just like, I can send you on this. I can send you to Europe with your mother, which I was just like, oh, why does mom have to go? Why? She's going to embarrass me. This is like, I'm, you said I was an adult. I had to figure out how to pay for this. And yet I have to go to Europe with my mother. How is this happening? You can't go hard and fast rules. This is unacceptable. But he was just like, your mom's never been to Europe. He was like, can you imagine? You played so well enough for the state to ask you to go wouldn't you want to take your mother and I was like ah oh, damn that that guilt trip all right he was like well you have to figure out he was like I can help pay 
He's like, just a little bit for U of A, but you're going to have a lot of debt. And that debt is going to carry with you until it's all gone. He's just like, and it will take years, years. Or you can go to the community college in our hometown and go to Europe in a year. It's like, what, which one do you want to do? I was like, ugh. Just like one dream versus another. I was like, okay, fine, I'll go to Europe. I'd like, this is the best. All right, I'll go to Europe. So I withdrew from U of A, sucked it up, went to Samhain College. Everything went really great. I graduated there um, with a Bachelor of Science in Biology, and then I transferred to UNM down in Albuquerque. <clears throat> and my husband and I, we, well, we weren't married at the time, but um, quote unquote, living in sin. <laughs> <laughs> we moved down to Albuquerque and we, we lived off campus, which is the best decision that we made, like, in our eyes. Because, for one, it was so much cheaper. Two, we got to, you know, live in this lifestyle where, like, well, what if we were married? You know, how would it be? Both of us going to school, both of us taking care of each other. And it really worked out really, really well. And so, and Lyle was working to um, uh, become a teacher and um, I was still doing my undergrad stuff, and he got accepted into the program. He was doing his um, in-classroom teaching. He was getting further and further and further along. He was obtaining his goal much quicker than I was, and I was just like, oh, I'm so close. I just have to take this exam to get into medical school, and then I can get into medical school, and then I can start practicing, and then we would both be on the same page, and this would be amazing. But it wasn't quite that easy. And I like looking back, I'm trying to remember if anybody really told me if it was that easy or, you know, the only thing I can really remember is that when I want, when I told people that I wanted to become a doctor or, you know, a Native American physician, they're like, that's great. And then a long pause, you know, the people that knew better, like other physicians, they're just like, okay good luck. Um, whereas other people, um, such as my family that, you know, didn't really go into any medical field. They're all on the Navajo, on the reservation, um, having like other types of, um, job opportunities and whatnot, and not really having this like competitive lifestyle. Um, not to say that they've never had that, but, um, to this extent, and competing with a non-traditional community, non-cultural, you know, not to say that they're not, but like Native American-wise, you know, it's everybody always talks about, you're walking in two worlds, you're walking into your worlds, and it's like, oh, well, I mean, I can put one foot here, one foot, one foot there, but, you know, you can't stay on the balance beam for quite that long. You can, not, you can fall to one side and fall to the other, but, you know, Ultimately, so in that moment in my life, I was more traditional and I was just like, yes, I want to go to medical school. I want to do this and, you know, I want to do that. And my family told me that's not the way. They said, if you want to do this, you're going to have to deal with cadavers, you know, people that have passed away. You're going to be cutting them open. You're going to be looking inside them, you know, it's, it's taboo. You can't do that. 
And that just broke my heart. Like my grandparents would say that to me. And I know that they love me. I know that they wanted to protect me. But it was just like, well, well, what am I going to do? So it was just like everything that I was striving for. I was like, uh, okay. But my dad, <laughs> he was the one that was like secretly on the sidelines. Like, you can do it. You can do it. Oh, I talked to my friend who, um, his daughter goes to, um, way up North Dakota. She goes to this summer program thing and she's been going for su- several summers. And, you know, she, she went to medical school. You, you should try and apply. You should do this. And I was like, all right, you know, secretly still telling my family that I wanted to go into medicine. And they're just like, is there something else? You know, okay, well, you haven't gotten in, so there's still time. And, you know, that was a little sad. Um, so down in UNM, I finished up there and I took a gap year. And that gap year, I went back home. Lyle came back with me. He got a job in the school, and we were both living back at home. And we're like, oh, we got our college degrees, our bachelor, and everything, and we're back at home. How is this happening? But, you know, Lyle had a really, really great job. Granted that we were both living back with our parents, and, you know, I took that year to really hone back in my family. Um, I helped take care of my grandpa on my mom's side, and he has pulmonary um, uh, fibrosis. So his lung capacity is just really terrible, and I'm always hearing him wheeze and everything, but he doesn't let let it hold him back. So I would go on the res, you know, be with my grandparents, kind of help out any way that I can, because my grandpa, whenever they deliver hay, they're like, oh, don't unload the hay. We got 50 bales of hay. We'll be back in the morning to unload it. And he's just like, yeah, 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 okay. And then he'll go back out when the sun's down and it's really cool. And he'll start unloading those bales of hay. So on top of the pulmonary fibrosis, he's already got cardiomegaly. So he's got heart and lung problems. And he's got like arthritis and he's like, you know, unloading all this hay. And then the next morning, it's like, Jay, we told you not to do this. We were all going to come back and help. So during that year, I would spend the night at my grandparents and kind of help out, like making sure, keeping an eye on him. Like, what are you doing? Are you, are you, are you sure you should be doing that? Me, like 20 year old bossing around like a, I think he's 80. Um, like, no, grandpa, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. He was like, oh, I've been doing this for years. And when I was out there, I started running <clears throat> and within that gap year. Um, and it was really nice um, just kind of running on the res. Every now and then my grandpa would go with me. <clears throat> We'd kind of start off together. And then he would just kind of slow down. He would keep waving forward. He was like, go, keep going, keep going. And I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, and like little res dogs running beside me. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Like, no, go home. I I don't have any food. (laughs) I'm just as thirsty as you are. Go. (laughs) Like, this is ridiculous. Go home. And then I would turn him back around and head back home. And my Che would be doing something else. And I'm like, you baited me. You told me to go run. And you came back home and you did something. He was just like, ah, it needed to be done. I was like, I could have helped you. So anyway, he's clever that way. Um, But yeah, so... uh, 
during that gap year, um, I applied for medical school. Well, I also came up to North Dakota right after I graduated from UN, UNM. Um, and I did like a pre-med prep program through uh, UND's uh, in-med program, Indians into Medicine. And they did a really great job in supplying a lot of material and uh, study stuff that I did not think I knew I like I needed. And at that time, I we were, you know, skimping on a lot of things, you know, asking my parents for like a $200 study material was kind of out of the question. If it was greater than, you know, 60 bucks, they'd be like, oh, could you buy it secondhand? Could you, you know, could you look to see if it's free somewhere? And I got pretty good at that, finding free textbooks <laughs> online. Um, but, you know, you indeed did a really good job. And I met this lady, Kathleen Fredrickson, wonderful lady. Um, so after I finished the program, I did my, um, I can't remember what that exam was called. Uh, MCAT, that's what it was, the MCAT. I did the MCAT, which, you know... I kind of studied for it. I didn't really put in a ton of time. And I got an okay score. And I remember just feeling so upset about it. And I was just like, you know, I guess I I could do a little bit better. I'm going to try and retake it. And it was like um, June, July, or somewhere in the beginning of the, the end of summer, beginning of fall. And I remember calling Kathleen. Actually, she called me. 701 area code and I was like oh man I picked up the phone and I talked to her and she was like what was your score and I told her and she was just like it's competitive enough you should just you should just apply she was like the worst that can happen is that you don't get an interview you know the next the next possible option is that you do get an interview you interview but you don't get in but the interview, you'll have experience. You'll know what they're going to ask for. You can, you know, increase your your profile and revamp a lot of things within the next year. She was like, just try it. And so I was like, all right, I'll apply to medical schools. Um, <clears throat> and I was feeling pretty crummy about my score. And I was like, it's not the best. It really isn't. So I just casted the smallest net. I applied to New Mexico, Arizona again, because I still wanted to be a wildcat. <laughs> um, and North Dakota. And so, um, you know, right out of right out of high school, I got accepted into Arizona and it was just the best feeling ever. Applying for medical school, I knew it was going to feel, it was going to be the same. But they said that, you know, they declined any interview and so I was like oh crap I was once and this is what I used to tell myself I was once worthy of being a wildcat (laughs) I was once worthy now I'm nothing and you know I go through these phases and Lyle's really great about picking me back up but uh, and then New Mexico didn't offer an interview either and I was like oh damn my application must have really sucked this oh goodness well you know I'll take the test again, and then I'll try again. And if it doesn't happen on the second try, you know, maybe I should look into other options. And that's whenever, like, the creeping voices of my grandparents are like, you should you should have looked. 
you should have been heeding our warning. You know, you got this degree, but you have no work experience. You know, it's you got all this schooling, and a year is gone. What are you going to do next? How are you going to provide? You know, <clears throat> and so it was just really, really hard that year. And I was just like, oh my gosh. But in, I think, October or November, I got um, a letter back from UND from the InMed program. And it's like, we would like to have you fill out the secondary um, application. I was like, all right, this this is a good sign. All right, let's 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 fill out these 20 questions, legitimately 20 questions, having to write a paragraph. And I hate doing that. And I'm like, having to explain myself and put myself on paper is hard enough. You know, I feel like I make a better impression being in person and just kind of being quirky and be like, oh, yeah, no, this is how I am. But I work really hard. I can get up early. I can be to work on time and I could be the last person there. And, you know, I will do what needs to be done. And so just having to put that all on paper is just, ugh, I hate reading it. I saved all my last personal statements. Um, and every now and then I'll just kind of go back and I'll just cringe just hearing myself, you know, let alone reading what I previously said is bad. But hearing myself on a voicemail is even worse. I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. Why did you say that? Why is there a lot of ums? But, um... Anyway, well, um, let's see. Where did I leave off? Um, so they asked you 20 questions. Yeah, so they asked 20 questions. I'm going to slide this over just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they asked 20 questions. I answered them all. I got an interview, and I was so excited. My dad was, my dad again, how are we going to get you up to North Dakota? We got you up. We drove you there last time, but it's in the middle of winter. How are we going to get you up there? I'm like, ugh. You know? Oh, this is for the January interviews. Yeah, this uh, is for the interviews. And yes, I was like, yes. oh, God. I was like, Dad, I'm really sorry, but I think you're going to really have to. I can't help. I was like, I, I, I have no savings, n- nothing whatsoever. You know, all of undergrad was paid for with scholarships, which I was so happy about. That was something that, you know, my dad told me that I needed to do. My first semester at San Juan College, you know, I paid it off. And then every semester after that was um, with scholarships. And so after that, I was like, I don't have anything. He was just like, all right, I'll pay for this. We'll get you up there. We'll get you the interview. <clears throat> and, you know, I didn't really know what it entailed to go through a medical school interview. You know, I had my quote-unquote best clothing my you know uh church clothes if you will um and I went up there (laughs) and I laugh about this because Cicely remembers this and it's so bad to kind of look back at me like oh I was so naive why couldn't I have just gone with my mom to JC Penney's to get a nice like skirt in like blazer suit why couldn't I have done this but again like we were pretty like I was pretty low on um, cash, and so I couldn't really afford buying a whole new wardrobe for an interview that may or may not be. And so going up there, went through the interview process. I felt like I did pretty well with like the one-on-one questions. And um, a month or two later, <clears throat> I was waitlisted, and I was near the top. And I was like, 
oh, please, please, someone go somewhere else. (laughs) I'm like, oh, man. I was like, am I going to just kind of sneak into med school this way? Like, is this how it's going to happen? Like, really? And I was just like, well, if I don't go this year, you know, at least I'll know what it felt like. At least I'll know that I need to increase my my MCAT score. I need to beef up my resume. I need to find an actual job in a medical field somehow so I can gain experience. You know, I had this whole list of like what I needed to do. And then finally, (laughs) and this is really pathetic. I was at home cleaning the house with my mom and like, um, I was in the middle bathroom, plunger in one hand, and my phone goes off, and I was just like, it's like, it's an email. So I put it, I put the plunger down, and I walked away, and like my hand was shaking, and I opened it up, and it's like, congratulations, we would like to have you attend UND, and I was like, I was like, holy crap, holy crap, it was just, it was a beautiful moment, I had like the rubber gloves on, and I started crying, and my mom comes over, she's like, is everything okay? And I just showed it to her and she, she was so excited. And I think about a week or two later, we had this party at my parents' house. I can't remember what it was for. Maybe somebody's birthday party or it was just kind of a get together. Um, but we got everybody, everybody on my mom's side, and on my dad's side, like, immediate family, they came for a big dinner. <clears throat> my dad was so proud, and he was just, like, standing up in front of everybody. He was like, okay, everybody, we have some great news. And then I kind of, like, look across to my aunts, who's talking to my older sister, and they're just like, oh, is somebody pregnant? I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, really? You know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, really? You know? kind of hiding in the shadows being like just looking at everybody's faces see how they'll take it my dad you know announces that I'll be going to UNT for medical school and it was just dead silent and I was just like okay and eventually my mom's like this is great this is amazing you know my siblings being like the younger generation you know the more urban um, natives were so excited for me they were you know hugging me being really supportive and that's the thing that really hurts is that the older generation the more traditional was just like like okay is this gonna work out you know they they tried to be supportive it was really hard but eventually they're like well you got in so let's start doing these ceremonies in that spring and summer was arranging a bunch of like um, medicine men, you know, talking to them, what do I need to do to prepare my, my mind, body, and soul, you know, my spirit, um, to be protected for when I do cadaver lab, you know, and within Navajo tradition, you're within these, um, four sacred mountains and being within those four sacred mountains, you know, you've, you have this balance, you have this, you know, this extra sort of like um entity around you to kind of help you walk in this like a in this beauty so to say um but going to North Dakota you're going to be outside of those realms outside of like the the cultural things that can help you 
And that was going to be the hardest because I, I mean, when I went to UNM, that first fall semester, I got really, really sick. I was so dizzy. I was throwing up. I just, I was getting like fevers and chills. I finally went back one weekend to my grandparents and they're like, we need to see a medicine man. So we did. And he just simply put, he was like, you are physically homesick. And I was only three hours away. Can you imagine like what a thousand miles would do? And I was just like, oh my God, I'm terrified. What's going to happen to me? You know, is my mind going to go crazy? Is my body going to start acting strange? You know, am I going to become a different person? Which inevitably I did, but you know, it's called growing. But um, so that summer before I did a lot of um, blessings and ceremonies and just trying to get my, you know, kind of sort of armor up heading into battle. And we went through all of these trials and tribulations just for me to get to this point. And we get to you and UND and it was just, it was a whole nother realm. It was insane. Um, just the sheer competitiveness I was not expecting. <clears throat> I'll tell you one thing. Um, day one of orientation, and let me preface this, I'm never late. <laughs> I try and be somewhere at least 10 or 15 minutes before. Um, my brother, when he was in the JRTC in high school, he was like, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, then you're late. So I wanted to be early. I showed up, I think it was like at 7.50, and I was the last person to check in. And I was like, what the hell? What what did I just enter into? And being the last person to enter in, and the dean of the school saw that I was the last person to, you know, come walking down. And he was just like, now that everybody's here, would you like to, would we, should we all start introductions? And I just sat down and I was like, I looked at my watch and I was like, it's 7.55 we don't start until eight. He was like, uh, you who just came in, why don't you stand up, introduce yourself, tell you, tell us where you're, you know, where you're coming from, any research experience, you know, uh, and something fun. And I was like, oh my Lord. So I stood up, you know, kind of rambled a bit, but I was like, yeah, so I'm from New Mexico. Hello. That's so tad bit chilly up here but you know <laughs> um research i did some of that <laughs> and it's oh it was so terrible it's like something from a sitcom and i was just like oh my god i need to sit down i finally got done sat down what was your fun thing oh god i don't even remember i think i talked about my dog grover who is sadly still well i mean Sad for me, but he's probably really, really happy. He's with he's back in uh, New Mexico. He's he's with my parents. I did a very uh, native thing. I was just like, oh, I'm gonna adopt this dog, but I'm gonna leave him with my parents. <laughs> that sounds that sounded terrible, but you know it's common. Um, Those who know know. <laughs> yes. Um, so um, I think that was my fun thing. I don't know. I can't remember. It was like fight or flight. And I really wanted to fight because I was like, oh, what did I walk into? What did I do? How did I do this? <laughs> anyway, so I started medical school in the fall of 2016. And I guess we're kind of just like leading into the 
medical school experience part, but um, <clears throat> year one was a lot of learning, um, a lot of learning about myself, you know, what are my study strengths, um, relationship strengths, you know, Lyle came up here with me and we were engaged at the time for our first year to, um, up here in North Dakota, you know, and he really carried us. He learned how to cook, learned how to clean. He, you know, we only had the one vehicle. And so he was coordinating with me like, oh, I'll be done with classes at this time. You'll be work. You'll be done with work at this time. I'll pick you up. We'll go back home. And I would study and he would cook dinner. We would stop for about 15 minutes and then, um, have dinner and then I'd study and, you know, that was a routine that we kind of set forth. And whenever I'd get, like, a bad grade or something, when somebody would say something offhandedly, like, oh, you don't you don't know that? Oh, you haven't read that? Oh, I just read it somewhere. And it's like, oh, crap, I did all the studying on this one topic. And you can just spit it off the back, like, how? How is this? Okay. <clears throat> and year one, I remember meeting Cicely, and she was just like, it is so hard for us. It is so hard for us Native Americans and especially hard for you Navajos. And I'm like, there's a Navajo around? Like, <laughs> what? And there was another Navajo in my class. His name is Trey or Anton Trey. Um, and he was from Arizona and I was from New Mexico. And every now and then we'd kind of talk and, you know, but we like, we didn't kind of band together. <laughs> We just kind of like knew of each other and, um, you know, it was, I don't, I don't know why we didn't really band together, but you know, that was one thing that was really weird in our in-med class, um, is that everybody kind of just went their own separate way and they didn't all try to come together and help. So I thought that was really strange and really weird, <clears throat> but at the time it was all that I knew of it. And I remember Cicely was like, yeah, Mylan. Mylan's uh, Navajo. She's like, you should talk to him. And then she was just like, yeah, I can spot you Navajos out. You just got that high cheekbones. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, who are you? <laughs> and like, can you help me like figure this out? You know, and then she mentored me so much. She scared me a lot of times to be like, Crystal, you need to do this. If you have to sacrifice this, then you sacrifice. If you do this and do that, you have to do this. This is what you came here to do. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I could, wait, what? <laughs> like, not eating, not not sleeping, no exercising. Like, how? Just studying, right? How am I gonna do this? And that was really, that was really really hard. Just kind of figuring out a career in studying that was that was new but I mean I finished eventually I got through my first year and it was a it was it was a slight struggle my second year was so much harder holy crap it was so hard and year one is your basic science stuff it's the stuff that you know all of your undergrad is covered in like two months in the very beginning and then you build off of that and you just kind of get some um basic science stuff behind you and then year two is like learning clinical correlations you know you're learning about pathology and diseases <clears throat> so 
year two was really, really hard for me. Um, and I remember talking to the dean of students, um, Joyce, Joycelyn Dorsher, and she explained it in a way that natives, they have this sort of like roundabout way of thinking, you know, um, Caucasian um, logical thinking is very straight and narrow and forward. You get to A and B and you don't stop. No detours whatsoever. But Native American thought process, it's like, oh, let's take a cruise. Let's take a detour. You know, let's make these, you know, on and off exits of the interstate like in North Dakota. Just gonna go around and eventually we'll get there. And that's why we're such good storytellers. That's why I've been talking for so long. <laughs> eventually I'll get to my second question. I know, eventually. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting this there. This is great. No, yeah. please, please keep going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so second year was a huge struggle. Um, <clears throat> the second portion of the fall semester, I didn't pass. I didn't pass the MCQ. And, and MCQ was, like, so hard for me. So hard. I would read these prompts and they would be so long, like a paragraph. And at the end, it's like, what do you think it is? What is this disease? What's the first line of treatment? And I would get all these like A through, you know, sometimes D. Other times it's like A through J. And I'm just like, oh my God, only I can only pick one. There's like three of these that it could be. And Dr. Dorsher, she was saying, you know, with Native Thinkings, we are holistic people. We think about everything because everything has a, a balance, you know. You take from one, you give to the other. You know, it's, there's harmony. <clears throat> so she's like, it's really, really great in the clinic and treating patients. You know, you, you keep in mind, and it'll, it'll make you a great physician. But for right now, it's hurting you. She's like, it's, you know, academically hurting you. We need to figure out how you can get past this, how to not think that way with multiple choice questions. And I was like, oh my gosh, another trial, another tribulation. You know, I'm already so far away from my family, culturally, everything. <clears throat> and the whole cadaver lab, I mean, it was fine. My um, classmates were really, really accepting. They were really, really nice. You know, I had a ritual. I wouldn't bring any of my personal stuff. I took off my engagement ring before I went in. I locked up everything. I We would have these, like, locker rooms. I would change into a specific set of scrubs that I knew that by the end of the year I was going to throw away. I had specific shoes, which I had ash inside of them, you know, to kind of protect me. And then... Um, that ash, I would also like, you know, smear it on my hands and then put the gloves on and everything. And I would always have my hair tied back because I didn't want any, like anything coming in my hair. And my best friend, Anna, she remembers this because we were like day one. I've, Anna's always been there for me. You know, I talked to my group and my PCL group and I was just like, Hey, culturally, I should not be doing this. This is bad. This is taboo. However, I'm here. I was like, can you please respect that? And they're like, yes, of course. And so I would call them my silent teachers. And um, at the end of the day, we would, I'm like, please, please, please help me to put them back together. I'm like, I know we've dissected. I know we've, you know, explored things, looked at pathology and everything. But can we please put them back together how they were? They've donated them, you know, 
their body for us to learn. I don't want to leave one part on one end, another part in the other. I was like, that seems very disrespectful to me. And could we please do that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were really great. <clears throat> All my other PCL people um, were very respectful in that matter too. No one ever pointed out like, why are you doing this? You know, so <clears throat> that was nice. So in year one, it really didn't affect me. Year two is when it, when it did. Um, during year two, after I found out that, you know, I had to remediate the block five, um, I went back home, we did a prayer and they said that one of my silent teachers was not at rest. They didn't like something that I or some of my colleagues did. And so it followed me home. And I was like, oh, man, that's why I've been having nightmares. That's why I'm like my chest is hurting. That's why if sometimes I feel like I can't breathe, you know, scientifically, I was having panic attacks. But culturally, you know, this person was affecting me. Like, you know, the medicine man, they didn't know, absolutely no idea, like, that what I was doing, like, the cadaver lab and everything. They just knew I went to medical school, but they didn't really quite know what it entailed. So he was just like, have you been doing this? You know, doing what we should not be doing ever? I'm like, yes. That was a year ago. I passed my courses. I'm not doing that anymore. He's like, well, it's followed you. He was like, we're going to have to do all of these other ceremonies and other things in which <clears throat> I couldn't quite fit it into the Christmas um, vacation. And so I'm like, could we do it whenever I come back home for spring break? He was like, yeah. He was like, we can arrange something. And so I went back up to North Dakota. It was such a struggle. I was still having like all these nightmares, all of these like terrible just you know, moody thoughts. And it doesn't help that here in North Dakota and in like March and April, it's still really cold. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I still wearing a parka? It's like 60 degrees in New Mexico. The sun is shining. This is, it should be spring. Where is the grass? Why is it still dead? But I mean, <clears throat> eventually I got to go back home. Um, I had to request uh, a special time to leave from um north dakota so i can i had to rearrange some stuff and i had to go through like the dean's um office but eventually they were like yeah 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 we can arrange it as long as you come back and you feel good we can do that i'm like all right sweet so i went back home did all the ceremonies everything that i needed to do and i felt so much better just being at home and the culture and the food and my parents and my family just helped so much and having to come back up and just like all right I gotta finish off block eight I gotta do my remediation I gotta take step one I gotta fit it in there somewhere and then I'm gonna start my third year all right this is the plan you know and <clears throat> kind of reminds me of that saying that you know God laughs whenever you start planning things so I'm like uh the summer came I failed my remediation. The MCQ portion, just that dang MCQ. So I had to go before the student committee and say, like, 
hey, it's, this is, this is a problem for me. I need help. And that was the biggest thing is just saying, I need help. I need help learning how to not do this, like habit. Um, had to explain my self-worth and being like, I can make a good physician. I can get through this. I can graduate medical school. I believe in myself, even though slightly I didn't at the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, I kind of do. I, I kind of don't. And Dr. Dorsher, she was there every step of the way. And she was like, yes, she will make an, a great phys- uh, an amazing physician. We need to believe in her. We need to get, give her all the support and everything. And so the committee was really, really great. I'm so grateful to them because they gave me my second chance or third chance or however many. I'm not counting anymore. Eventually got there. I redid my second part first year again. My first, the first part of second year again, learned to swallow my pride, walk into the classroom with all of these people that were looking up to me and they're like, she's, she's, that, that must be the, the one that failed. She failed. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I remember sometimes I would just sit up and be like, hey guys, block six is hard. <laughs> it is so hard. Trust me. I know. I'm just kind of putting it out there. I'm like, oh, that's okay. I got more time to study because I know it's what's ahead. I know what lecture we're going to have next week. I can start studying for that today. I can hone down on the things that I know that I was terrible at and which ultimately helped me so much. By the time, you know, they were getting like sort of like the scary like lectures that you know me sitting in the back I'm like okay I reviewed this last night I looked over the images I looked you know I quizzed myself on you know the lecture okay sitting there going through I'm like all right I know that yes that oh I forgot about that part let me just go back and so that was a whole nother thing passed it (sighs) went down to Kansas City learned how to take step one learned to look at questions and just go straight for the answer as best as I could. Passed up to one, went to year three, and it's been smooth sailing ever since. I love my clinical years. My Well, my clinical year. I'm only in my second part of it. It was just so much fun. I can see these patients before me. I can lay my hands on them. I can listen to them. I can you know, help decipher, I can learn my mistakes and actually see it before me, you know, instead of seeing it in a book. And that was the greatest thing ever. And I think that's where I've been thriving the most because I can, I can look at these questions. I was like, Ooh, that's that 86 year old female that we had in the hospital. And this is what we did. Oh, look, and the answer choices, that's what I'm going to do again. And then just kind of going from there. So can you talk about what you've learned along the way? Mainly, I think the biggest thing is I had so much pride before. And I was like, yes, I am a female Navajo, you know, going into the medical field. This is going to be amazing. I could do so much for my community, for my family, for myself. I can, you know, do this. And, you know, I just kind of had these like blinders on you know like just seeing the goal in sight and not really consciously taking in their surrounding but around me um pride pride was the hugest one I would say that I have learned to let go I know I am not the smartest one in my class 
I know that I have so much more to learn. You know, I try and continuously keep an open mind and say that, you know, it's there's probably another reason why this has happened. I can't, you know, start pointing fingers and blaming other people for my own faults or, you know, the things that I'm not good at, the things that I can't explain. <clears throat> and um, from a Navajo perspective, um, I think it's safe to say this, that but we are jealous type of people, you know. Growing up, if somebody didn't invite me to like a sleepover or whatnot and <laughs> said something rude, my mom always said, you know, I think they're jealous. I, I think, you know, you have some, so much good going for you and they didn't get the honors award. <laughs> they must be jealous. That's why you didn't get invited. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think they wanted that too. Okay. And so finally having to just be like, no, I think they just didn't like me. (laughs) That's why I wasn't invited. (laughs) But no, it's just, you know, trying to take myself off that pedestal and, you know, step away from it and be like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not anything special. It's okay. You know, my parents think I'm great, which, yeah, cool. My parents still love me. You know, my husband thinks I'm like the apple of his eye that should continue to stay like this. Let's, you know. <laughs> cool. I've got all these ducks in a row, but I do not need to be, you know, need to the be the end-all be-all type of Navajo woman because there's no such thing. <laughs> um, so, and then also too, it's like I've learned that, you know, there's, a lot of other female Navajos that are chasing the same dream as I am. When I went to Kansas City, I met this wonderful, wonderful um, girl. Her name is uh, Thomasina Blackwater. And she has gone through trials and tribulations, something similar to myself, but, you know, in a, in a different um, light. And just seeing her courage and she's like, I'm, I'm still fighting. I'm still doing this. I'm like, Oh man, I was throwing the biggest boohoo pity pity me party for like the past year. How are you still doing this? And you know, there was one day where I felt super down and super terrible at this um Kansas City thing. But she was just like, I just let it roll off my back and I'm like, "All right, what did I learn today?" And she has been amazing. So, she and I are both in our fourth year and we still keep in touch. She's like, "Hey, you should you should do residency down here in Tucson. I'm like, it's too hot. Maybe Phoenix, which is still as hot, but maybe, I don't know. She's amazing. And I'm just like, her and I, we both have this dream. We're both doing this. And, you know, there's others out there that are just like me. You know, I'm, I'm not this, you know, mystical unicorn. I'm, you know, I finally had to swallow that pride and be like, oh, I'm, I'm special but other people are, are special too. And kind of be like, all right, all right, Crystal, calm down, calm down. You know, I'm growing up is what I should say. But um, asking for help is another thing that I've learned. Um, at UNM um, down in Albuquerque, they had this success center in Zimmerman Library up on the top floor, and it's where people would go to help. 
you know, and math and reading and every, any kind of subjects. And I remember studying up on the top floor because not only was it super quiet, but you would have to chuck all the way up those stairs, all the way, be out of breath. And it's like you're having to climb just to say you need help. And I remember we liked to study up there because it, it was super quiet and they have this big round table where you can kind of sprawl out your things and see all your textbooks. But I told myself, if I'm not getting through this, I will go and ask for help. And I've always kept asking for help close by, but just a little too far out of reach. And that was the biggest thing of pride is that I finally had to swallow that and say, I need help. And that was the biggest thing. It's just like, I need so much help. Can somebody please help me? But not take pity on me at the same time, which is really hard to kind of see it, you know? I didn't want, like, free handouts, but I wanted somebody to help me. Um, and so um, doing that now, I mean, I still struggle with it. It's not anything per- per- perfect, you know? But it's like, oh, I haven't quite figured out this question and it's been like a couple of hours. I'm just going to shoot somebody an email and hopefully they can help me get the answer. And so I've been a little better at that. Not to say that, yes, follow my lead. I shall, you know, lead you to getting help. But, you know, so asking for help, um, being humble. um, And then, oh, the biggest thing, I think, Oh, I hate this, but I know that it's uh, it's a thing. So in the first few years, and then also in my family med, like, clinic rotation, um, <clears throat> and this still makes me angry, um, the program um, person that was doing my evaluation blatantly said, you know, because you're a female and you are often reserved, you will be passed up for opportunities because, you know, you're quiet and you won't be given the same opportunities. And, you know, they will look to your male colleagues instead. And I remember just sitting there and just, you know, having this like, what? Like, are you kidding me? And it was just me and this, this guy, and he's telling me this. And he's been with the program for so long. And so I'm just like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to spin it off to like, all right, does he really mean this in a helpful way? Or is he just saying this because he can? Because it's just me and him in the room and nobody's taking record of what's going on, and okay, and so I just kind of, I sat there quietly, just seeing if he was going to dig a hole, and he was saying, like, um, you know, you really need to recognize the culture around you. He was like, I mean, he was like, you understand, the culture back in New Mexico is vastly different than the culture here, And I would just, I was steaming. I was like, all right, not only did you say because I'm a woman, I would be passed up because of my male colleagues, but because I'm quiet, which is another thing, you know, 
Navajos or Native Americans, you know, we respect each other, especially our elders. And we don't look each other in the eyes because that means it's, you know, disrespectful. We give you the floor because you have knowledge, you have wisdom, and we don't interject ourselves because we think we know better. We know we don't know better. And then thirdly, oh man, I forgot the third. Oh, you're saying that I don't know culture. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? And I was sitting there and I was just, I was so mad. I just wanted to get up and walk away, but I was just like, oh, I know that if I get up and walk out, that'd be unprofessional. I would just be, all right. Took a couple of deep breaths and I was just like, all right, thank you for your feedback. I will take this into consideration. And, um, is there anything else, you know, just cool collective, you know, try to be graceful and saying like, well, what would you suggest that I do? It's like, I think you should be more assertive. I was like, all right, well, how could I be that? You know, give me an example. He's just, and he stopped. I was like, all right. So not only did you give me quote unquote feedback, but you didn't really help me, you know, achieve what you want me to be. And so that was like, oh, that's been really difficult is that whenever somebody is just like, oh, you're quiet. And in the background, I'm just like, I'm being respectful. You are teaching me. You are my preceptor. I am learning from you. You know, it's, I'm not going to interject myself and be like, hey, patient, in my very limited clinical experience or what I've read in the books, what the doctor's saying is actually, you know, kind of not true. Because I mean, it's like, I, I'm still learning. I don't know what to do, you know? And like in the back of my head, I'm like trying to answer questions that the patient is asking. But at the same time, I'm just like, all right, how are they handling it? How are, you know, how are they interacting with their patients? What is the best way that I can treat my patients in the future? And so that was like the hugest thing. I was like, I may be quiet, but I'm observing you. I'm taking what you're doing and I'm I'm filing it away, not in a bad way, but it's like, all right, what to do and what not to do sort of thing. And so it's just like, now I have to try and be assertive, trying to interject myself, you know, like SpongeBob, like insertive, not assertive or <laughs> assertive, not insertive. <laughs> so it's like trying to be assertive of the things that I want to learn and that I want to do. But at the same time, it's... I'm also reminded that, oh, you're just a woman. You're a female. And so I'm like, oh, I have to be extra assertive, but I can't be arrogant or a bully or something. So it's just walking that fine line. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know? So that's, I think, what I'm now like still learning is to be assertive without being, feeling like, hello, listen to me. This is how it's going to be done. And everything yeah Hmm. i think that's it (laughs) (laughs) i can ramble on but i'm gonna get so fired up (laughs) so this this occurred during your third year yeah okay okay Hmm. yeah i think it's your experience reflects um not not the same type of thing that sicily has gone through but a similar type of experience, whether it's a 
type of or a lack of uh, mentorship, leadership style or training um, on preceptors parts in medical school. That seems to be sort of a constant theme. Um, but that's maybe another conversation for another time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're, you're in your third year. Um, Although fourth year, fourth year, excuse fourth me, year, I fourth, finally year. Made it. fourth year. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you've been through this, but it's not just four years of school. I mean, it's, it's years of, of, of getting ready to get to that point. And, and here you are, um, to the 18 year old, to the 22 year old, um, to someone that's looking into the medical world, uh, what advice would you have for them? What kind of guidance would you give them? Um, I guess a good heads up is that it is very expensive, very expensive to try and obtain your dream. You know, they, yes, medical school, it's in itself, you have to pay tuition, but on top of that, you have to pay for exams. You have to pay for study materials. You have to pay for, you know, wardrobes. Um, I guess I didn't mention, I, I, I forgot to mention this. <laughs> Cicely said that during my medical school interview, she was just like, I remember you came in a skirt and like, you know, a didn't like a, a not well-pressed or something like, like a blazer or something. I don't even remember what I wore. She was like, it wasn't business professional. She was like, it, you know, she's like, <laughs> and I remember she told me, she was like, when you go for residency interviews, bring your clothes and I will approve them. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Oh, is that bad? Anyway, at the time, I didn't have any money to buy, like, a new, you know, business dress clothing. I know my mom would have helped out, and she would have loved to take me shopping. But I was like, oh, we're going to spend more money again. Um, so, yes, medical school and everything like that is expensive. Scholarships will help. And it's okay to have debt. It's all right. Um, the thing my husband tells me, he's just like, we're all in debt. We'll always be in debt, no matter how old or how young anybody is. Even if you already paid off all of your school debt, there's always a mortgage. There's always a car payment. There's always, you know, something. Somebody will be asking for money. You know, and it's okay to be in debt. It's just, like, not too much debt, like, to the point where it's like, whoa, this is, this is ridiculous debt, but it's, you know, it's in the, within the realm of, all right, we need to get this done, and somebody is willing to, you know, federal loans are willing to help me, so, um, so money-wise, keep that in mind, keep that in the back of your head. Um, two is that people will try and persuade you or tell you that, you know, maybe you're not cut out for this. Maybe you should look into a different path. And I, oh man, I used to do this in undergrad is whenever I'd meet other medical students, I would kind of play this game. They're like, yeah, you know, I'm a pre-med. I'm like, oh really? And then as I would get to know them, I'll be like, hmm, would I let them be my, my primary physician? Would I let them, you know, and this is really bad. I'm like, would I let them do like 
a pelvic exam, like a pap smear? Like, would I let them do this on me? Like, no, absolutely not. They are disrespectful. They are like a party animal. No, no, no. They have absolutely no values. But I've learned that um, a lot of different personalities, different like um, types of people can excel in the medical world. You know, there's some people that are like uh, type A personalities that can get the job done, that are very straightforward, that can, you know, have this mystical photographic memory, which does not exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I researched it. I've heard so many things. It's, it's You just have a really great memory. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was a real thing. No. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just as shocked. It's like, I think it was like... Uh, I read a couple of, like, things into it, and then it was really solidified through, um, I was like, the Things You Should Know podcast or something, they talk about it. I subscribe to them, yeah. 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 And they talked about, like, how they train children or um, adults to memorize quick things and how you can just, you know, um, use numbers or something, something way beyond my, like, pay grade or expertise to really hone down, like, increase your memory strength. Anyway, so, you know, these people just inherently have this. But also, some people will have an advantage. They will have the greatest advantage in medical school. They will have family, parents, siblings also in medical school. They will know exactly what to study and what not to study. What is deemed high yield gosh high yield everything is high yield this is high yield the test will do this this is definitely high yield you should memorize this uh it's it's so gross it's upsetting how much i spent so much time into thinking that something was high yield but it wasn't um so some people will have like an innate advantage in medical school and they will excel and it seems like everything's like so breezy for them And you may have to work harder, harder than your peers, harder than you can, you feel like is capable of you. You know, it's one thing that no one really told me is that you change as a person. You become sometimes the worst version that you can never think of yourself. Um... I remember there was a couple of times <clears throat> where I would see my parents trying to call me. And I was obviously free. Everyone's free to take like five minutes just to talk to their parents. You know, my grandparents are even calling me. But at this point, I was just, I was so bogged down. I was just like, I need to study this. This five minutes can make a difference. You know, this is, this is what I need to do. And I would just let their phones you know their phone calls go missed and I'm like oh looking back at it I'm like oh that was that was terrible that was the worst version of myself I was not speaking to my parents my support system I was lying to them saying that everything was okay and as a fourth year it's coming back at me it's you know it's coming around circle my parents don't call me anymore and it's you know and when they do they're like Hey, um, I wanted to call last week, but I know you're busy. I'm like, oh, it just breaks my heart. I'm like, damn it. Past Crystal, jerk Crystal, you were terrible. Why did you treat your parents like this? And 
you know, I'm like, no, 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 mom, call me, you know, I'll answer, I'll answer, please, and you know, and I'm like, I know I said this before, I was like, if I'm busy, I'll answer and be like, hey, mom, can I call you back real quick, and I will, I promise, I will call you back, you know, and it's like rebuilding that bridge with family, that trust again, and you know, if I would have known ahead of time, it's like, you know, things are going to get really rocky for you and your family. You don't think that's going to happen. You're going to say, no, 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 not with me. And I'm pretty sure that they told us, um, an orientation, like, um, the family day. But I felt like, you know, I feel like hearing it beforehand, even as an 18, 19 year old, I mean, your support system, you could really hurt them. And that's, the worst part about it is that you're trying to become this person that can help heal and help, you know, save people. And you can also hurt them. I think that's, it's scary, but you know, it's, it's something to learn. Um, also explore, go out and do something, you know, take a gap year before college, before medical school, even just a year of being outside your hometown outside your state, going somewhere else can give you the biggest perspective, especially on like, um, world health, you know, public health, you know, it gives you that advantage. You know, I cannot tell you how many medical students I've met that have, you know, stayed within, you know, a small circle of like a radius of their high school college, you know, medical school. And hearing sometimes they're just like, oh no, the medical system, they have that, they have that covered. Everything's fine. No, how are these people even going to be treated? You know, how, how is this going to happen? What are we supposed to do? Oh no, this is fine. You know, uh, social services will take care of it. You know, all this and that. It's like, not quite. There's not going to be a safety net for everything everything you know people good people are gonna fall through the cracks and you need to have that compassion that empathy to really become like you know a good physician that's what I've heard anyway and that's something that like when I see these people where it's like we have all these programs in place and everything and and yet we still can't help them and that's you know that's hard it's really hard and so um, and lastly, um, be okay to fail. Um, learn from your mistakes and, um, write it down, write it, write down like how you felt in that moment, how you're growing from that. Because looking back at it, I'm just like, oh, I failed. I was a horrible person. I did not know anything. And I didn't write it down, but Lyle remembers. Lyle remembers it so well. He's just like, no, you tried. It's like, remember those nights that you stayed up until midnight? And then you would wake up at five, you know? He was just like, you used to love to all the, to do all these things, but you, you didn't. He's like, you would study through lunch. You would talk with Anna and Erica. You would do this. You would do that. You tried everything that you knew at the time. 
and yet it, you still you still struggled. He was like, it's okay. We were there. Remember how many nights you cried? Remember how many times we had to throw a little mini pity party for like five minutes and then you'd go back and study? I'm like, oh yeah, I did, didn't I? It's like, remember that time that, you know, you're doing your clinical skills assessment and the doctor was like, wow, that's good job. You know, you really honed down on whatever, you know, physical exam thing. Oh yeah, you, you got that. And you would just come home beaming. Do you remember those times? And I'm like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. That did not happen. That was in my dreams. He's like, no, 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 that really happened. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I've had challenges and failed many things. And if you don't grow from that, I think that's even more scary. So if you kind of learn that trick now as an 18, 19 year old, I think you do, you would do pretty well. Yeah. And learn how to cook or find somebody who will cook <laughs> for you. <laughs> Eating is very important. <laughs> yeah. Well, shout out to Lyle. <laughs> I know. And your wife. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She is... Um, say she's a mentor uh, to, to, to so many students. Um, and the amount of time she puts in concerned about you guys. Oh, my gosh. Because we've had... Let me see if I can get this in the middle here. Maybe yeah. just pick us both up. Uh, because she would... Um, she would talk about you and, and Mylon and, and all these other students, you know, and, and wondering if they're studying, are they eating, are they getting the rest, this and that. I'm like, well, message them, check in with them, you know. Yeah. And so the, you know, and she's, she's a very strong personality. She's a very oh, strong, yeah. yeah, she takes yeah. control of she's the She's scared me so many times. And she's scared Lyle. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, yes, for step one, you need to do this. And Lyle's like, okay. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, it's 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 good now. Of course, I'm, I'm close to that fire. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. But she's um, yeah, she's amazing. So, as is Lyle. You know, uh, yeah. The the work that a spouse puts in with with their medical student <sighs> spouse, um, it's it's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of love. Yes. You know? Yep. Um, I um <clears throat> and he probably won't hear this until it comes out but he hasn't washed the dishes for a couple of days because I've done it <laughs> so he's been taking a back burner I'm like honey we're in fourth year I passed my step two I have you know this rotation I can you know kind of chill I can cook dinner I can clean the house I can wash the dishes finally I can help out and so this past week, he's been like, oh, you wash the dishes? Oh, honey. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and this morning we got coffee and he loves donuts. And and he loves to be on time as well. He doesn't have to be at work until like 740. But he gets there at 7. And I'm just like, honey, you've got so much dedication to these young kiddos. I guess I should say uh, he's a first grade teacher. And, you know, during this entire coronavirus, his anxiety and you know what's gonna happen what are we gonna do how are we gonna shift everything has been so high and just seeing him kind of worry about that I'm like honey it's okay it's okay you know I'll help out as much as I could technologically wise I could do this but now just like this entire week I'm like 
oh, don't worry about, don't worry about dinner. I got it. You got your first day with your group A kids this day, and you got your first day with your group B kids that day. Don't worry about it. Just go to work. So this morning, we went and got coffee, and then we were, well, I mean, I was driving. I guess I could have drove faster. <laughs> we were kind of running late, and I was like, honey, I'll get you, I'll get you some donuts, and he's like, really? We can get donuts on a Friday morning? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to Sandy's Donuts, and there was a long drive through line. And I just looked at him. I was like, do you want to walk in? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, okay. So we walk in. There's a couple of people ahead. And I was like, what do you want? He's like, I want the sprinkled. I want the, I want the sprinkled vegan. I'm like, okay, okay. So I walk up there. I was like, two donuts sprinkled vegan and then a glaze vegan. I was like, oh, okay. He was like, oh, you're going you're gonna to get a vegan donut? I'm like, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Not even. So she gives us the donuts. And then we get in the truck, and he's just like, oh, yeah. we should have gotten two bags. I'm like, don't worry about it, honey. That's yours. He's like, well, what are you going to eat? I'm like, I got an appointment this morning. You know, I've got time. I'm just going to go back home and have cereal. He's like, are you serious? So both of these donuts are mine? I'm like, <laughs> yes. Go, go. And I dropped them off at work, which I should probably go pick them up pretty soon. Yeah, it's like. 320 he's probably done but he's probably prepping his room for month tuesday so i mean he's fine yeah so i mean i'm giving back which i'm finally able to do like the wifely domestic duties just just for a year <laughs> just for the year and then we'll go from there yeah sis and i we've uh we're kind of in a similar similar cycle right now. I've noticed because what i try to do is i'll prep the coffee the night before so when she gets up there's hot coffee ready to go <laughs> I haven't been on top of it the last week or so. <laughs> and a couple of days ago, um, I set the coffee uh, before I went to bed. And, and I, I woke up because I heard her say, oh, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> she noticed. She noticed. She Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's – it's um, it, 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 takes, it takes a committed couple to make something like this happen, you oh, know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, shout out to Lyle. You yeah. Know, good guy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for this. Yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you for your time and sharing your story. This this is wonderful, you know, and uh yeah, you know, hopefully um there will be young people listening to this, you know, and they'll mm -hmm. they'll be able to I guess get where you're coming from, you know. And... I hope so. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but Nope, nope. You did not ramble at all, so uh thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Crystal again for her time and sharing her story with us. Uh, it was an absolute delight sitting down and speaking with her. Um, if you're a young person uh, looking to get into med school, um, this was a very insightful episode of the, I think, the dynamics of family and community that Native Americans and people of color uh, face when choosing a career as intense and as unique as the medical care field. Whether you're going to be a physician, a PA, a nurse, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a very number one. It's a very satisfying career, uh, but it's it's also one that takes a lot of commitment and focus and a level of of intention that you don't quite see in other careers. Not not downplaying other careers, uh, but it's something that I've witnessed firsthand with my wife, Doctor Little Wolf. Um, where you, you, you really change who you are and it's very clear you're a different person at the other end of the whole process. One 
that if you're thinking about doing, um, fully engage into it. Uh, but when you get to the point where you have to decide whether you want to do it or not, um, be clear-headed when you do it. That being said, um, there are a lot of examples of people who are out there who have done it. And so reach out to them. Uh, Crystal is one, uh, Mylan last week is one, and there's two more students and uh, resident coming up forward um, of examples to listen to. Uh, their stories are all different, yet at the same time there's the same theme that's there, which is there along with the artists and the curators and the administrators that we've spoken with in past podcasts. So that being said, there's people doing what you want to do, and there's room for you to do it, and please do what you can to make that happen but put aside your pride uh, put aside uh, some of that stubbornness so it's not harder than it needs to be so yeah so yeah thank you uh, for joining us uh, this week for spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community join us next week as we speak with another in-med student um, someone that is I believe about to start residency I'm Joe Williams. Uh, you can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook and at plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. And you can find us on SoundCloud, um, iTunes, Spotify, the list is growing now. Uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon just picked us up, and that was when I was excited about um, where I think we're one of the first... Uh, Amazon podcast because uh, they just launched that platform so we're on there now too um, so however you listen to your podcast uh, look for us there if we're not on there let me know so we know how to get onto your favorite platform as well so we're very excited about all this if you have a suggestion for someone for me to speak with or to interview uh, please reach out and uh, message me on Facebook I would like to hear from you so you take care and we will see you next week <laughs>